G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. This is Andrew McLennan. It would be easy today for Christians in Australia to feel like our religious freedoms are being slowly eroded away, and many of us would even wonder what our freedoms are. Well, one man has done his research on this. He's a former soldier in the Australian Defence Force and has written a book called Religious Freedom in a Secular Age. And this book is designed to help all of us understand exactly what our religious freedoms are and how, believe it or not, secularism helps us achieve and maintain our religious freedoms. Dr. Michael Bird, welcome. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on and hello to all your listeners. Yeah, it's our pleasure, Mike. So tell me, uh, what inspired you to write this book? Well, this book is about the contentious space of law, religion, and wider society. Basically, I wanted to look at, you know, what kind of religious freedom protections do we have in Australia? Look at some of the ways in which those um, protections are being minimized or disappearing, and what is the solution? And what I found is at one level, we do have some robust protections of religious freedom. Uh, They're enshrined in the Australia's Constitution, Section 116, but there's still a lot of gaps and there's still a lot of argy-bargy between things like people of faith and the LGBT community and how we balance different things. And I think part of the solution to this is having a healthy account of secularism. I think a healthy version of secularism can help us solve a lot of these debates and issues about gaps in our legal protections for religious freedom and some of the conflicts we're having about religion in general. Okay, I I like that, but let's go back. So I think every Christian, every believer listening to you right now, Mike, will be like, oh, wow, okay, what are the religious freedoms that are given to us in the Australian Constitution? Can you just tell us what that is, please? Well, Section 116 of the Australian Constitution says the Commonwealth cannot establish any religion, nor can it prohibit the free exercise of religion, nor can it make any, uh, introduce a religious criteria for holding public office or being a public official. Now, that only applies to the Commonwealth government. Uh, that, that, uh, that ruling, that, that law, does not apply to the state governments. And there's been two attempts. I believe, in 1944 and also in 1988 to expand the Constitution so it applies not just to the Commonwealth government but to the state governments as well. But both times, for various reasons, it's been defeated, which means we do have a kind of a gap at the state levels. You know, what do the state governments do with religion? And they've done a number of things. Often they've exa- uh, granted religious bodies an exemption to anti-discrimination law. But, you know, that can be problematic for a number of reasons. It means that religion can be weaponized against certain minorities. And, you know, a right to selectively discriminate is probably not the best definition of religious freedom. And so there's a real patchy number of protections for religious freedom among the states 
with New South Wales and South Australia having the least. So that's the sort of you know. When you say having sorry, when you say that, when you say having the least, you mean they have the least amount of uh, protection for religious freedom. That's correct. Okay, so how how bad is it in New South Wales and South Australia? Tell us about that. Uh, well, they they don't have anything the equivalent to a, an anti-religious discrimination bill. So, you know, you could argue that maybe some workplace laws or Australia's general commitment to human rights might be a kind of, you know, thin protection against certain forms of, you know, anti-religious behaviour or harassment, but there's nothing really concrete in New South Wales or South Australia. And it tends to be very patchy and, you know, very eclectic as you look around the country. Okay. So, what would your advice then, uh, Dr. Mike, be to people in New South Wales and South Australia, and more broadly to everyone in Australia? What is your advice to us to to you know exercise our religious freedoms in Australia today and moving forward? Well, we need a number of things. I, I, I mean, it would be good if the constitution was amended. So the religious freedom protections applied not just to the Commonwealth government and to the state government. That would that would stop all Australian government from interfering in anyone's religious business. But that's probably not going to happen, and we know it's been defeated twice already. So the next best option is to have an anti-religious discrimination bill. You know, you can't discriminate against people based on age, uh, ethnicity, you know, sexual identity or you know, sexual orientation. And to go along with those suite of anti-discrimination protections, we probably also need an anti-religious discrimination bill, which would be very pertinent if you look at somewhere like Victoria, where you had the case of Andrew Thorburn, where Andrew Thorburn, the um, CEO of the Melbourne Football Club, was given an ultimatum by his club, either resign from his position as chairman of the board of his church or resign from his job. An anti-religious discrimination bill would make it very clear that your employer cannot give you that kind of ultimatum. Yeah, that was a horrible story, wasn't it? Just absolutely horrible. Yeah, and it it, it was guilt by association. And I mean, I think Essendon was on pretty was on pretty uh, thin ice legally anyway. I mean, some of the things the chairman said basically gave the game away, that it, it was a religiously motivated act of discrimination. And maybe there's you know, other bits of law that may have been relevant. But to cover all bases, we do need a more concrete and clear law that would protect... You know, you know, someone being sacked for being Muslim or being Jewish or, or you know, or being Christian, anything, being a Hindu, having yeah. a faith. Now, I, I love your idea. Are you aware of any political parties or politicians that are actually taking up this cause and trying to move forward on this? Uh, well, a number of different ones will have a position on it. The Liberal Party, when they were in federal government, did attempt to bring in some religious freedom protections, but because you know, different factions in the Senate were trying to water it down. It never got through. Uh, the Labor Party, the Federal Labor Party, has adopted a statement on religious freedom, uh, which is largely in accord with international standards of religious law, uh, which I think is, is very um, uh, encouraging. That's an encouraging sign. Then you've got some Christian parties like, you know, Family First and others. And there are some parties that do seem to be militantly hostile towards any religious freedom protections. And you've just got to look at every party and every candidate based on what they stand for and what they believe. And are you aware of any petitions or movements, groundswell, grassroots movements that are operating right now to try and force uh, political parties or politicians' hand on this to try and push this forward? 
Well, yeah, there are a number of different groups advocating in this area. Obviously, you've got the Australian Christian Lobby. You've also got uh, Forward in Faith. You've got the Institute for Civil Society. A lot of Christian schools uh, and their associations are advocating in this space, particularly when it comes the, to the right to hire um, faculty and staff who agree with their you know, beliefs and values. So that there, is a, there is a broad coalition of, of, of groups and faith-based communities who are advocating for uh, religious freedom in Australia. Well, it just sounds to me like common sense. It's it's something that we need. And uh, maybe there's people listening now and they want to get involved in this. So if they contact the Australian Christian Lobby, what are the other groups you said that are trying to push this forward? Uh, the Institute for Civil Society. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few around if you if you Google them. Yeah, well, Australian Christian Lobby is a good, good way to start. We... Uh, we have regular contributors from the Australian Christian Lobby here on Vision. but So that's the backdrop, uh, Mike, and you obviously have written a book about this. So in a nutshell, tell us what you are saying in your book. Okay, we, li- we live in an age where religious freedom is contested and people are worried that religion is going to be weaponized against minorities. It doesn't have to be that way. And what we need is a healthy account of secularism. Secularism is about creating space for people of all faiths and none, defining the areas where religion is not allowed to matter, principally in government, and then the other places where religion should be immune from government interference. Because despite what people say, Australia is not a secular country. We are a multicultural, multi-faith country with a secular government. And the secularity of government is what really enables religious freedom and for Australia to be a land of diversity, tolerance and equality. So we can kind of be like, uh, as it says in the book of Micah, where everyone sits under their own vine and fig tree Mm. and none shall make them afraid. I like that. But okay, but break that down to the individual. So someone reads your book, Mike, how do they apply it into their personal life? How do they apply a healthy dose of secularism to enable their religious freedoms? Well, it, it can mean certain things. For example, if a public official wants to stop a school from making uh, being a Christian part of the main criteria of being the principal of a Christian school, then members of the public, or certainly members of um, you know the, the faith community that school belongs to, should definitely advocate and assert their their rights in religious freedom because. According to international law, we have the right to religious freedom in education and religious freedom in community with others. Or if you know someone uh, who has been sacked or discriminated against because of their religion, uh, there are also grounds you can advocate on their behalf, uh, lodge a complaint with various anti-discrimination tribunals, um, uh, the Australian Human Rights Centre and the like. Okay. Yep, and, and, and beyond that, what else are you hoping for people to gain from reading your book? Well, and that's probably the number one thing is to say secularism is not necessarily the bad guy, okay? We're always kind of worried about the secularist. Uh, secularism is one of the best protections we have for religious freedom because on the one hand, secularism means we're not going to live in a theocracy. We're not going to replace the governor general with a pope, ayatollah, or a Dalai Lama, okay? Yep. So we're not going to live in a theocracy. But on the other side of it, secularism means the government doesn't tell you how to do your religion. It doesn't interfere 
with your with your ch- your church, your synagogue, your house of worship, or your religious charity or your religious school. It doesn't tell you which areas of life your religion is allowed to matter in. Yep. So really what you're trying to say is that we don't need to be afraid of secularism. As believers in Australia today, we don't have to be afraid of secularism as long as that secularism in the government is managed correctly and you know rights and, and freedoms are granted to religious groups across Australia. Yeah, exactly. I would say that uh, uh, secularity is the, the main line of defence against the government either interfering in our religion or taking punitive actions against us because of our religion. And I'll give a good example with the ACT government seizing Calvary Hospital. That was a naked example of a Australian government taking punitive actions against the Catholic hospital because of its view of abortion and euthanasia. A good degree of secularity would actually prevent that, where the government cannot take those nakedly punitive actions against any religious community because it doesn't like what that community believes or practices. Yeah, good example. Dr. Mike, I really like the sound of your book, and I want to let people know what it's called again. It's called Religious Freedom in a Secular Age. That's Religious Freedom in a Secular Age. The author is Michael F. Bird, B-I-R-D, and it sounds like a very good read. I encourage everyone out there, if you like a good read, get a hold of this book. You can find it online. And uh, just so you know a little bit of uh, Mike's background, he served in the Australian Army for several years. After the Army, he left and he went and did some further studies, some theological study. He's now a doctor, a professor, He's uh, and now he's written this book. So, Mike, I want to thank you for joining us on 2020 today, and I hope and pray that your book has a big impact across Australia and perhaps even overseas. Okay, well, Andrew, thank you very much for having me, and it's been great to be with you and all of your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.